got the real deal now. Ooh. Gonna kick this sorry ass out on the street. Welcome to the Lord and Wrestling Podcast. My name is Robert Fuller. And returning to the podcast is Tom Poseman from the Wrestling Block. Tom, welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I, I like it. Um, and we are in the final part of The Undertaker's streak. Well, until next year. Um, where he faces CM Punk at WrestleMania 29. And one thing I'm kind of interested about this is that whilst I like the story behind it, it's never the beginning, but I'll get to that in a minute. Um, I do wonder that if Paul Barrett didn't pass away, what direction the story would have gone? I think it probably would have been more of this business kind of stuff. Yeah, this sort of the thing that, uh, or, or maybe not this business kind of stuff that, that seems to have been played out with Triple H the year, two years prior. But I maybe more of um, CM Punk playing up how he doesn't get respect and how he was going to steal respect from The Rock and John Cena just by... Um, ending the uh, the longest streak in wrestling to date. Yeah, I mean, uh, pretty much the, 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 um, sorry. the way this whole starts is, uh, is the old school war in the March, about a month before war, uh, WrestleMania. One thing I miss his return, and he, he just goes, like, I'll, I'll face anyone, effectively. And um, I, that's why I don't, that's one of the I don't like about the story, is that I don't think you just have a, you should have a match for a white to face Undertaker, I think it should be either you challenge Undertaker or he challenges you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, four people put the names up Punk, Randy Orton, Big Show, and Sheamus. Uh, Fig who's the managing supervisor at the time of War, gets him in a third or four way match and Punk wins. Um, that, then the night after, uh, Paul Barrow's real name is William Moody, is it? Yes. Yeah. Um, passed away. Uh, the next, so the next week, Undertaker does. Uh, Really nice tribute segment. You've got the urn in the middle of the ring. Um, and Punk interrupts it. And one thing he says is that like, uh, he's like, being on with sorry for your loss. You know, says, and I'm sorry for your loss at WrestleMania. And I, I, mean, I like that because it really kind of uh, made the crowd hate Punk more. Yeah. Um, it started out pretty hot, I think. Yeah. But then. It, it started to down to degrade into um, to into almost parody, and um, just really, I mean, the idea behind it was good. Under um, CM Punk screwing with with Undertaker and his feelings and everything, I think they kind of went overboard with, with sort of the cartoonish aspect of it. Yes, um, and Punk playing hacky sack with the uh, the urn. Was you know it's a bit too much. I thought. Yeah, I mean it's um so far it's kind of just what way they would have gone if probably didn't pass away. But I do like what yes I do agree. They get a bit like border on parody, but I do like what he's doing because it's not you don't really get to see. It's only like the mind games that that the take Undertaker's using. He's using his entrance, and so you, you've got the added pressure of you trying to beat 
you know, guys undefeated at WrestleMania. But Punk is kind of switched around. Yeah. He's got he's got the advantage here because he's got the urn. And there's one bit where he's like going, you know, I, 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 I don't give a fuck about this, the urn kind of thing. But he knows his punch is undertaker. That's why he's keeping it. And there's one bit where um, he's with Paul Heyman and um, Undertaker, you know, managed to appear in the ring out of nowhere. Uh, we hear the bell, it all goes dark, and then lights come on and there's Undertaker in the ring. Spots being the crap out of Punk. Um, but uh, but Derm goes flat, you know, out of the ring and Paul Heyman grabs it and like sprints like he's going for a touchdown in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, to the back. And then, um, I just tried to forgot. Because um, I know um, the same night that Undertaker did the tribute, uh, Kane faced Punk and won. And then they did the, the bit where they did the, the, the tribute together with Undertaker, and then that went Punk. Uh, hit him with the urn. I know that's when he stole the urn, but did Kane come in with the urn, or was the urn just there on, on the side? I don't even remember, to tell you the truth. Because yeah. I've looked at it on YouTube, because I can't remember that bit. Offhand, so I looked on YouTube and the first I got the bit where he's like, you know, kind of he's backstage with the air and the bit where I've talked about where he's with Paul Heyman and I showed I got the video, with the, you know, with the, the week before with all the Druze coming out and Paul Heyman uh, like dressed up like, you know, Paul Bearer uh, with the air. Uh So, but there's I see him attack Punk with the air, but I never see him. It's a bit weird, you never see how the urn is there to begin with. It's just one of those things that kind of like. If he'd been bugging me for the last three days, like, how did that get there? Um, but with the last bit with the Bruce and, and uh, Paul Heyman, um, that was when um, t- uh, Punk is dressed on the, on the Druids and he tasks Taker, and he ends by uh, pouring the ashes of the uh, Oval Taker. And did you think that was a bit too far? Uh, no, I mean, as long as the, the. I don't think the ashes were implied to be Paul Bearers, to tell you the truth. Like they were just the, the Undertaker's, you know, magic urn ashes, and, and Hogan, and, and Hulk Hogan at Survivor Series 1991 um, sort of started the grand tradition of if you wanted to get on Undertaker's bad side, you just, you know, took his urn and dumped it out. Yeah. So, so, no, I don't think it was too, I mean, um, manufacturing outrage on Twitter is, is something I've been accused of from time to time, but... yeah. Uh, but um, I think that out and outrage. I try to pick pick my spots. Uh, to what I get outraged about on a wrestling show, and I, and um, I think the spewing of the urn. I think that was just. I think it was cheesy. I, I don't think it was you know too far though. Yeah, I can see where you come from there. I mean, obviously with with Moose family, the WWE will make sure that okay, this is what we're to do. You're okay with it, that kind of thing. So. Um, I know, but then I heard a bit of outrage about it. I'm like, because a lot of people replied that was Paul Bearer. I was like, well, no, because I never, I always thought it was like, whoever, I know the urn's like changed shape. I think mean, it's like the fifth version of the urn now, but I never thought it was ever Paul Bearer. It was just like this power that the Undertaker had. Right. Um, so uh, we get to the match, and um, we get Living Color play out seeing Punk's theme. And, you know, Punk Which was, out- by, by the way, which was. Amazing to see them do it live. Uh, uh, um, the, the meme is that WWE doesn't respect uh, CM Punk, blah, 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 blah. And that's why he left, uh, because they're not really doing right by him. When uh, Really, from 2011 up until he left, um, like 
I don't want to say WWE bent over backwards to make him happy, but I, I will say that like he was treated on the same level as everybody on the on the roster. Yeah, with the exception of maybe John Cena, uh, maybe above them, and, and having you know, you know, um, Motorhead never came to play Triple H out to WrestleMania. They and, did and it. They did it seventeen. And... They did. That's right. Yeah, but we talked about that. Yeah, one. That's right. <laughs> and um, and we then we talked about that one, didn't we? Yeah, and I strike that from the record. Then I, I, but I mean, but the fact that I mean Motorhead did play out Triple H and. Yeah. and like uh, CM Punk got the same treatment as Triple H. Yeah, um, I mean, it's the first time I ever heard of Liverpool Club, the first time I ever seen them live. But you know, I it, it did really enjoy that. And uh, you got Punk, you know, Punk coming out with the urn. You got him with uh, Paul Heyman as well, and um, come to the ring, and then uh, you get on the table's entrance. And this is my favorite one, only because I got sick of seeing Druids like four matches in a row. Um, but you get, you know, it all goes dark, and, um, all this stuff. and then you see the light comes all the way on the table. You see him kind of like step like off, no, from the ground. I see all the hands coming out, like kind of reaching out to him. I thought that was a brilliant entrance. Yeah, like um, almost like uh, zombies yeah. popping their hands out, out of the grave. Yeah. And then obviously, with the, where we go, get the thunder and lightning and the flames shoot out the stage. Um, the only thing I hate about the entrance, because I just, I just don't think it suits the, the Undertaker's entrance, is when he goes to the corner and raises the arms up and the lights go on. And the fireworks go off. That's just WWXS. I, I, I think I might agree with you that it didn't really fit, but I, I think that uh, that he... Um, I mean, it's just sort of what WWE was doing for that WrestleMania. It was their, their WrestleMania... In, in New York, you know, it's their, their hometown, their backyard. Yeah. And, um, and, yeah, so I, I think that uh, it was just them playing it up. Yeah. Right, um, so during this time, like, um, you know, Punk is, like, getting psyched up, he's kind of, like, shouting. And then, um, this is the end of the end, you see, like, Punk and Heyman kind of, like, playing around the air and, like, toss it to each other. I mean, I still, still like disrespecting the urn. Um, the comments of this one are Michael Cole, Jared Lowe, JBL. Um, not. Maggle! Is that you alright? Maggle! Maggle! Yeah, yeah. Is, um, I don't know, J- JBL really annoyed me during this match because he seemed to, to like, just interrupt him in like little like sentences. Like, he did do this, he did do that. I'm like, shut up. But, yeah, uh, you know, I used to like JBL commentary. Now, now I don't. I can't stand it. Yeah. Um, Most people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the match starts, and uh, Punk kind of like goes in and takes him to the corner, uh, kind of ducks under him, and then slaps him. Uh, Taking has this look like that, you motherfucker, and <laughs> goes after him. Um, Punk gets Yeah, it was a great, great start to the match. Um, yeah. Really plays up the sort of the disrespect that CM Punk uh, showed towards Taker up to that moment. And, yeah. um, and it was sort of like continued storytelling. Like I like when the tone of the match meets the tone of, of the bill. I mean, yes. it's kind of like nothing gets me more um, irritated than seeing two guys who apparently hate each other. Then they, they sort of, they collar and elbow tie up. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you hate each other. Like, why are you wrestling wrestling? Just like beat the crap out of each other. 
Yeah, I mean, you had that um, when Undertaker faced Flair, because what Undertaker did to Flair and Arn Anderson and David Flair, uh, pretty much, you know, Flair comes out, when he gets near the ring, he drops the rope, which goes after Undertaker straight away. Um, so, I like things like that, you know, it's like, you want to show how much you hate each other, like, practically through the bell rings. Um, so, um, take a reverse it, and then try for the choke slam, but Punk does some kicks, and then we see it's a big boot. Um, and then so Undertaker tosses Punk out the ring, and then starts punching him, and then sends Punk flying to the tight keys position, which looks pretty brutal. Um, because the way it is now, is kind of all, like, set shit off that bit, so he goes flying over the barrier into it. Um, there's a bit where um, Undertaker like sort of bounces um, Punk's head off the Spanish announce table, and it starts to dismantle it. And I mentioned this when um, when Undertaker faced Triple H and the second time is that uh, I don't get if you're trying. To, I get why it's because it's all the safety thing, but I don't get if you're trying to put someone through a table why you dismantle it first. Well, um, I don't know. That could be. That could be just the. A thing that they do, uh, they don't want to. Um, they they don't want to. I, I actually agree. Like in character, we wouldn't, wouldn't you want to um, to put them through the the monitors? But at the same yeah. time, there's an issue of footing. Yes, you kind of take that over that 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 eve off of the table, the uh, yeah. that overhang. Yeah, just to be able to stand on it. I'm not sure how the um, how the monitors play into it. Uh, from a work standpoint, I mean, you don't, you're trying to protect the guy that you're doing the move to. You're not trying to kill him, so you don't want to yeah. have the, uh... Yeah, I get that with Western, Western side, I want it, because you're going to look like you're hurting them, but not actually hurt them. Yeah. Um, so, but, then we're not using this patch on table until later on, because, um, Tinkers grabs, uh, Puck and sends him, sends us back into the wing post. Uh, during this during the match, the trial doing like dueling, what sounds to me like they're doing dueling champion, CM Punk and Undertaker. And uh, JBL must be partially deaf because he just says it's the chip for Undertaker. So, uh, kind of like pretending that doesn't exist. Um, Undertaker does get into the leg drop and then tries for the old school back in the ring, but Punk pulls him off. Um, Punk like keeps Undertaker down and then he does old school himself. And I, I love that move. I love him doing it because it's showing more. Disrespect and undertaking out stealing the guy's move and doing it on him. Yeah, um, from what I recall, it, it was a lot better than his attempts to do some other people's moves, uh, yeah. like like the Macho Man elbow, which which I've heard described as a punk rock cover of of Macho Man's elbow. But I've heard some punk rock covers that that were rough and raw and didn't sound like you know they were just. Um, Smashing uh, their equipment, their equipment against the wall rather than playing it. So yeah. I, I think it's if it's a bad, if it's a punk rock cover, it's a bad punk rock cover. But the but the old school was good. Yes, it's very good. Um, Punk then does a side door to the left sweep for two, and then kind of has in like an arm bar move. Um, Hayward this time like um, like told on the taker, like one of the urn, one of the on the taker. Taker managed to get out of it. And puts Punk in the corner, does a few punches, and then sends him to the opposite corner, but he misses a big boot. Um, Punk like sends Taker to the outside and does um, a double top rope double axe handle, and then rolls him back into the ring, does a neck breaker for two. Um, Undertaker does try to make a bit of a comeback with some punches, but Punk does a straight neck breaker, only gets two. And again, a lot of challenge with Heyman, because one thing I like about Heyman as a manager is that. 
you get some man who kind of just stand there, just clap, that kind of thing, like, you know, the valet, the valet these days, you know, like, like Debra and all that stuff, back, back in the day, but with Hamie, like, he's giving encouragement, because, like, with some of the near falls, he's going to him, like, you're only one, you're only one second away, and then later when he goes, you're only, you're only half a second away, like, giving Punk a lot of encouragement. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, so, um, Punk puts a taken to a chin lock, but Taker managed to stand up and then hit a knee in the suplex. And then, well, Punk then hits the big boot and then tries to go for all school again. Um, and Undertaker um, managed to cross him into the rope and he's sent to the floor. Um, at this point, like, Punk's pretty much in a heap by the, the Spanish announcer here. Him's like, go, right, go to get up. You've got to get up. And, and this is one of my favourite bits in the match, is that Undertaker goes for the suicide dive over the top rope, but Heyman yeah. goes, goes into the apron to stop it, uh, but, but he gets a choke instead. Uh, Punk seizes the distraction. He just comes out of nowhere. You don't see Punk go up in the turnpike. He seems just suddenly in the air. Um, he sees the distraction to hit a uh, top rope clothesline. That only gets two. Um, and he gets taken into the corner, and then Punk does high on the knee, a clothesline, and then the macho man elbow drop for two. Yeah. yeah, that was a really good sequence. Um, this is where Heyman showed most of his most of his value yeah. to the um, to the match. He uh, like like um, when he first was at it with CM Punk, I, I didn't think, well, why they both are great talkers, but I don't think that um, that he could have that Punk could have pulled off the snivelly bullshit. Um, heel chick, uh, chicken chicken heel that yeah. uh, he did without Heyman providing a, a smoke screen, especially in this match. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I did. I mean, I love the way they would be how they would be able to working together because um, I can't remember seeing it, but I think it's like Punk has seen how this bit backstage, and then Punk gets through a car as the car goes past scene, and you see the window well down, and you, and you find this Heyman driving the car. Um. I do love that, but I, I do. I found it weird to begin with. You're like, well, they're both great talkers. I get it with someone like Brock, because Brock is a shit talker. Um, but it's just, it seems to like make the whole thing better. Yeah, I think it did. Um, it was a net positive. I mean, having two guys who could work them like it, it also made the the um, the extended promo segments when they were when they would have them. Um, Pass by a little bit better. I mean, no matter no matter how good you are on the microphone, um, if you're on there at the mic for 20 minutes talking, um, it gets a little tiresome. But having different voices come in, and do, especially when they're both uh, on the caliber of CM Punk and Paul Heyman, yeah, then you have magic. Yeah, you know, I mean, I love them together. I knew they had to kind of like break up eventually, but I do I really like them together. Um, with the match, uh, Punk goes for the GTS, but Taker gets out of it and hits a choke slam for two. Um, they see punches, and Taker sends uh, Punk to the corner, then the opposite corner. He gets down there, surprised the snake eyes, but he then goes for the big boot, but Punk counts that with a heel kick. And then Undertaker gets um, close down on the top rope. Um, Undertaker gives Punk an overcut, then a headbutt, and then tries to last wide Punk through the Spanish announce table, but Punk gets out of it and kicks Taker onto the table. 
Um, during this time, Heyman has distracted the ref to break the count. And one thing I forgot to mention earlier is that um, Punk is saying a lot in his promo before the match. Like, you know, if you if you get counted as a stratification, that's still a loss. And what thing I like about that is that you get, especially when he faced Undertaker faced Bastito a few years beforehand, uh, Bastito was like saying, oh, I'm going to pin the Undertaker, I'm going to pin the Undertaker to like really emphasize that he's beat him. Punk doesn't give a fuck about any of that. He, he, he just wants to win by any means necessary. So, because it's like a normal wrestling match, it's not a whole, no holes barred or anything like that. So, he's like going to like, I, I, I don't care how I do it, I want to beat the Undertaker. I don't care if it's count out, sort of occasion, anything, I just want to beat him. He wants to be yeah. the 20. He always says he wants to be the one in 20 and 1. And he wants to do it by any means necessary. Yeah. Um, the, and it just works with the sort of the DIY nature of CM Punk. Yeah. It's really like the whole punk rock uh, nature of him and uh, and his character. Um, punk goes to the, does the uh, Mashman L drop on the taker, um, but the table doesn't break. I think it was designed to, but it doesn't in this case. Um... Punk rolls back in and is like pleading for the ref to do the 10 count. Um, Undertaker just gets in as uh, well, the referee gets the 10, and Punk is not happy, he can't believe it. Um, Taker's out like, on the floor, and when Punk goes to get him, Taker applies it, try goes to the Hell's Gate. Um, but Punk counts it really well to like a, this kind of a roll up into a pin, and that only gets two. Um, then Punk applies the Anaconda Vice. And Heyman's like streaming on taking over no, no, tap out, tap out, tap out. Um and then he kind of does it managed to move maneuver him, so he got on the taker's shoulders down. That gets to it. Taker just suddenly just sits up and just stares at Punk and puts down this really shocked look. Yeah, this this is probably the, the best spot in the entire WrestleMania last year. Maybe the best spot in WrestleMania in the last five years, I think. Um it's it's basically sort of restores the Undertaker's mythos in one full swoop, where it made just made the um, the whole the cheesy cartoony build with the urn getting screwed with yeah. worth it. Like Punk finally bro- broke the camel's back, yeah. and now the Undertaker had awakened, and it was just the, the visual and, and the way the way Punk sold it, where like his face was like sheer fright. It was brilliant. Yes, it was really good. Um, Taker managed to like stand up, and then managed to get out of the kind of face by putting Punk in the choke hold and trying to go for the choke slam. Um, Punk versus the GTS um, and hits it, but is it right by the ring? So on the, by the rope side. So Undertaker bounces off the rope and then suddenly hits the tombstone for two. Um, mm-hmm. That didn't quite like because I know you you technically have been hit by a finishing move and you know, but you've been lucky to by the ropes or whatever. But find a way you get hit by a finishing move and then you you suddenly just recover in like three seconds and hit your own finishing move. I find that a bit a bit annoying. It's it's sort of um, it's it's a um a product of the escalation of um of match storytelling. Yeah. Um I didn't mind it in this match if only because um it, it 
had the right gravitas, and it wasn't like we we're going to we were going to see with the Rock versus John Cena later, where they're like they were kicking out of like finishers, like every other finisher. Yeah, every other move was a finisher, and they were kicking out until the very end of it. It was like to, like three rock bottoms and four go um, attitude adjustments to, to finish the match. But in this match, I could dig it because I mean, once and if you want to put someone on the level of C- of Undertaker without beating him at WrestleMania, you got to have him kick out of a tombstone. Yeah. So I, I think I, I didn't mind it. I liked, but I agree that it's sort of an overused trope in, in wrestling matches, um, especially in the indies, but that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Um, now, um, we'll get now the knee, the session punch and trying to stand up. Uh, once it gets over hand and then bounces punk off the ropes. Um, and then when he does that, honestly, he like bends down, so he's trying to do like a back body drop. Um, punk kisses him in the chest, takes his totally no sells it, and um, goes for the choke slam. Um, but Punk is like fed in his arms and actually knocks down the referee. Um, Undertaker then distracts Punk, uh, sorry, he distracts Undertaker and that gives Punk the chance to kick him in the gut. Um, and then. Are you sure it was the gut, not the, not the, uh, the, the low, the lower region, the nether region? I don't know, I, I wasn't quite sure because it makes sense to do a low blow because the referee's down. But it looked to me, it's kind of like gut groin area. Um, yeah. Punk now does another high one in the into the corner, um, but as soon as he does it, Undertaker grabs him and goes to the last wide. Um, Ruffy's still down at this point. Um, Heyman manages to get up to the apron and gives the earn to Punk, and he hits Undertaker in the back of the head with it. Um, and then he pins he pins Undertaker, but that only gets two, and both Heyman and Punk are absolutely gutted at this. Um, and then we get to end in the match, because you get uh, both guys go for the finishes, but being countered. Uh, but eventually Undertaker managed to lock in the tombstone, hit it, and then he gets the win. And that's it, the match is over. Um, the only thing that I found quite funny at the end is that the Takers are kind of like nonchalantly to pick up the urn because it's standing there on the steel steps. And I thought Heyman must have... You don't see Heyman, I think he just, I think he just goes straight to the back. <laughs> so I figured Ivan, Heyman must have went, you know what, fuck it, you can have it now. Or he just went to the back and just forgot each one thing to earn with him. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I wasn't really paying attention to Paul Bear, but with Undertaker taking the, their earn nonchalantly, uh, I think it's better than the overdramatic um, at WrestleMania 27 when like the announcers and Triple H pinned he had a heart attack. Yes, that's true. Yeah, that's... Um, with that match, I mean, I liked at the time, then Drew... To, to, to like hate it, and then when when we reviewed it for this podcast, I kind of like some of the story they told because you know, Undertaker trying all these things out and they're not working. But it, at the end of it, it does have the weirdest visual ever because well, with this match you get Undertaker just celebrating poetry it earned, and the stage like displays twenty one and now we've got the fireworks. With the second Triple H match, you've got the stage displayed nineteen and out, yet you've got the winner like laid out dead, practically. Yeah. It was, it was a really weird visual to me. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the match. I think, I can't remember all the, rest, the last year's WrestleMania offhand, but it's probably one of the, if not the best match of the show. Um, 
what uh, do what do you think about the um, the match in terms of this WrestleMania? Do you think it's put it was probably the best match, or do you think something was a bit better? I think it was the the best match. I mean, I can't really think of anything that was better. I mean, the the Rock Cena was was a mess. Right. Um, Triple H and Brock Lesnar was a mess. Uh, the tag title match was good, but it didn't really have the didn't have the length. It didn't have the uh, didn't have the gravitas that the, the streak match had, and like every other match was just sort of there. Um, the Shield match was good, but yeah. I still think the um, the streak match was the best on the card by by a large margin. I think, and um, maybe one of the best streak matches ever. Maybe my second favorite after the the last the last podcast that we did. Yeah, <laughs> together. Mean, yeah, I mean, this is. Uh, I, I agree. With you. I mean, one. I think with the, the card itself, the match I found the most disappointing was Jericho Fandango because I remember quite like Jericho Fandango didn't really show much wrestling ability. And but he, I think he still gets to win in this in that match, so it was a bit weird. Um, so yeah. we were on this podcast uh, like like twenty minutes before the um, the WrestleMania pre-show for WrestleMania thirty. One of the biggest things Brock Lesnar. Do you think that's a good choice? Um, in theory, it was. Um, the build sucked, but um, yeah, I don't think the build's been that. It, it was basic. It, it was basically. Um, yeah, how much of a chump can we make Brock Lesnar look like until until the go home show? And then when that happened, it was too little, too late. And it's just they're they're relying on Lesnar's aura to carry the match when really Brock the only I mean, I'm not one to to, to dwell on wins and losses and yeah, he did technically win the Triple H feud. Beat him two matches to one, but that whole feud was just bad and just boring and basically just a masturbation piece for Triple H. So I, I uh, yeah, I, I don't, uh, I'm not really that stoked for it. I might change my mind when the match actually starts. They could have, they could have uh, built it a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I, I see that point because it does seem. I think. Heyman's promo aside, I think that was brilliant. If you've seen that, yeah, yeah, um, that, was, that was good. Yeah, with uh, but it, it seemed to be like Undertaker's image is a bit dominant, and then I'm not a chance to watch the Go Home War yet. But I know that what led to F5 Undertaker, so he's kind of on top. But the comments like going, "Oh, could the streak be over?" And figure himself, Undertaker's been pretty dominant the last month. Uh, I don't think this is going to affect him so much, but. If that kind of thing. Um, just a couple of things about the streak before we finish. Um, what do you think about the whole streak in general? I I think that's something cool. Um, something organic, something that sort of just came out of nowhere. I mean, they kind of um, didn't build it from first. And then, um, I mean, they, they just realize is the happy accident that that's the way everything turned out that taker won all those matches and, and now you know they, they they built around it but i think it'll be a waste if it doesn't end with undertaker's final match being a loss at wrestlemania right so yeah. so i mean it, a winning streak is only as good as the person who breaks it right okay 
Yeah, because a lot of people like saying they don't want the streak to end. Uh, you're actually the first person who said that you want to, you know, to end with someone. Um, yeah, it has to end. I mean, it, it, wrestling wrestling is is not a sport. You don't get to take your accomplishments with you after you retire. Yeah. You have to keep building up a, a new stars or else the business does not survive. So what's Undertaker? Undertaker gets to take a, a streak into his retirement. That's just that seems very self-serving and very selfish and very bad business. Um, of course, you can't just have like Nathan Jones break the streak or Mason Ryan. It's got to be someone who can do something with it. Yeah, but it has to be done. Okay, that's, that's, I see you putting that's really good. Um, I think the, I thought he's going to finish after twenty. After twenty, but obviously he's carrying on. I think he probably finish at twenty-five, probably. You know, try to go for the 25th match and then either win or lose for that one. Um, a lot of people are thinking his last one should be with Cena. And I'm kind of torn on that. And um, one of the main reason is that um, 2012 was the year I became a Cena hater. And there's many reasons for that. But I've said it on my other podcast, but one of the reasons, one of the, one of the reasons is that he never loses cleanly. And Part of me can't see it, but what, but part of me always thinks that if Taker does face Cena and Taker wins, they might write in a way that might like Taker, no, Cena might get distracted or someone might do one or something like that. And if they do something like that, that's going to really taint that match. You don't want to be like a blemish. Yeah, but I mean, those come back the next year. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, I mean, um, so Tom, where can we find you on the internet? Um, on Twitter, you can find me at T Holzerman. Uh, then there's, uh, the wrestling blog, which you can do a Twitter, uh, a Facebook or a Google search for the wrestling blog, or, uh, go to walls of jericoholic.blogspot.com. And, uh, for now, that's it. Yeah. Um, as for me, um, my blog is on lowdownwrestling.blogspot.com. Um, you get a link to the podcast there. If you want to link to the podcast there, it's lowdownwrestling.wordpress.com. Um, hoping to do, but well, probably something. Hope to do like uh, I choose for you and make it like in a box set. Um, just before first, I'd like to thank all the guests I've had for the podcast. Um, uh, Sawyer Paul, uh, Scott D. Holland, Fernando's a fan now. Uh, Trey Irby, Don Owens, Rich Thomas, uh, Joe Drinning, yourself as well. Um, Kevin Mahan, uh, Nick Gate, and Corey Santiago. Uh, probably never miss anyone. I'll just mention to me on Twitter, and I'll mention the next time. Uh, thank you so much for being the guest in the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for um, like publicizing your Twitter feeds as well, um, and all the help that you guys have done. Um, so, um, Tom, thank you once again for being on the show. Thanks, oh, no, thanks for thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, yeah, um. I will be kidding the podcast, but what one plan to do is, is do like uh, significant moments in history, like a specific match or a specific storyline uh, for the next few months. So I hope we get one out in June. Um, until then, um, thank you for listening and goodbye.